Okay, I want to introduce to you great friends of mine, Stephen Gale Hurst. So if you guys want to stand up, that'd be fantastic. I've known Stephen Gale for 42 years. 42 years, and they're from um, Hamilton AOG. We, we all ended up there in 1974, and uh, Stephen Gale were the pastors of Hamilton AOG for um, some many years before uh, moving to and planting a C3 church in the city. And so we've kept up our fellowship uh, for years, and it's just been so great to catch up with them this week. But uh, we were reminiscing on the things that we'd sort of done together, and in the uh, 90s, we went on the, the first missions trip from Hamilton AOG to India. And we flew into uh, Hyderabad and ministered at the Bible College there, and then went up two hours north of Hyderabad to a little place called Kamaredi, and we did village ministry out from that. I remember one night when we were ministering to the people there, a man brought his wife up for prayer, and she was obviously demon-possessed. And as we went to pray for this lady, uh, the demon in her threw her on the ground, and she started slithering along the ground like a snake. Well, the husband was just um, so overawed by this demonic manifestation that he grabbed his wife, and before we could continue to pray for her, he just took her out of the meeting. And that was a great disappointment for us, except that the next night, this woman came again, and we knew what to expect. And so it was Grace Bunyan and myself, when the lady came up, we got a hold of her, uh, again, uh, as we began to pray, the demon threw her on the ground. This time, we jumped down on, onto her. And uh, we, we, we prayed. The Holy Spirit came upon her. The demon came out. And she was totally, totally set free. And uh, when we stood up, she fell at our feet and started kissing our, kissing our feet. And we had to explain to her that it wasn't us who had set, us, who had set her free, but it was Jesus Christ. And when she knew that it was Jesus that had set her free, she gave her heart to the Lord. And two days later, this lady was the first of many who got baptized uh, in water. And that was for them a crossing over the line and giving her whole life uh, to Jesus. And through that encounter with the Holy Spirit, with, through that encounter with Jesus Christ, that lady's life was completely changed. We read of a similar encounter in Mark chapter 5 when Jesus goes across the lake and comes upon what we call the demoniac of um, Gadarene. And he was absolutely set free as well from a legion of demons. And you find that encounters with Jesus bring about deliverance and they set people free. This morning, I want to continue the thoughts that Tark uh, had two weeks ago when he was talking about encounters creating momentum. And I want to build on that this morning because we know that we are created to know God and to have encounters with Him. Uh, a relationship with God requires intimacy, and that happens through encounters with God. Now, most of us here would know the Queen of England. I've visited her house. How many people here have visited her house? 
Yeah, okay. I have read about her. I've seen her on TV. I've heard her speak. In fact, the New Zealand government on her first trip to New Zealand in 1953 uh, presented the Queen with a book called The Story of the Kauri by A.H. Reid. And in that book, the majority of all the photos that were in that book were taken by my great uncle, uh, Tudor Collins. But despite all that, despite me knowing of her, she isn't one of my friends on Facebook. Uh, I've never met her. Uh, I don't really, really know her because I haven't had personal contact. And, you know, we can be like that with God. We can know a lot about God. We can visit his house. We can read books about him. But we need to know him. We need to have an ongoing relationship with him, have regular encounters with him. Without encounters with God, there's no contact. And without contact, there's no relationship. And yet, we have been created to experience and to know God. Webster's Dictionary tells us that religion is an organized system of beliefs and ceremonies and rules used to worship a God or a group of God. And without encounters with God, it's easy to fall into a religious mindset and do stuff because we think we have to, and not because we want to. And for me, that doesn't sound very exciting. In fact, religion sounds like a lot of hard work, a variable pain in the butt, you might say. Uh, religion sounds like all of us and none of God, whereas having a relationship with Jesus Christ is absolutely, absolutely amazing. Uh, a number of you came on Sunday night when we had an amazing baptismal service. We had eight people baptized, heaps of people encouraging them. The tone was actually set by the testimony of the first person being baptized who had given her heart to the Lord at the end of last year. And she was just glowing as she told us what a difference Jesus Christ had made in her life. She was just covered, covered with joy. And as I was watching her and hearing her testimony, I was reminded of the Westminster Catechism. In 1646, the leaders of the Church of England, the Anglican Church, and the Church of Scotland, the Presbyterian Church, got together and they decided that they would simplify and uniform, um, unify the information that new Christians in the church were supposed to learn. And so they set out in a question-and-answer format a document which we now call the Westminster Catechism. And the first question that is asked is, what is the chief end of man? In other words, what are we here for? And the answer is, the chief end of man is to glorify God and... Enjoy him forever. Of course, we know we're supposed to glorify God through what we say and what we do and who we become, but we're created to enjoy him forever. We're supposed to enjoy our relationship with God. Sometimes we forget that the second fruit of the Holy Spirit is joy. And if you aren't enjoying your Christian life, 
I want to suggest to you this morning that you've probably slipped out of a relationship and slipped into religion. If you consider your life in Christ as a bit like a road, then on that road are ditches on either side. On one side, the ditch is legalism or religion, and that's easy to derail us. But the one thing that keeps us out of legalism, the one thing that keeps us out of religion, is the love of God. And we need more and more and more encounters and revelations of the love of God towards each and every one of us. On the opposite side of the road, the ditch is not legalism, but it's lawlessness or loose living. What keeps us out of that ditch is the fear of God. But in the center of the road is our relationship with Jesus which is covered by grace and is fueled by encounters with God. You know, Jesus died to give us an abundant, loving, grace-filled relationship with the Father, which is kept alive as we have regular encounters, regular contact with Him. We encounter God in His creation. We encounter God as He speaks to us through His Word. We encounter God as we hear His still, small voice. We encounter God as we feel His presence, as we walk in His wisdom, as we see His guiding hand opening and shutting doors, as we experience His supernatural power in our lives. But also, we encounter God in the storms of life. You see, not all of life is mountaintops experience. In fact, you can't have a mountain without having a valley next to it. Not all of life is calm, plain sailing. But we can encounter God in the storms which we meet from time to time. When our boys, Stephen and Peter were age three and five. We were living in Hamilton and we used to like going fishing down in Taupo, but also we'd go across to Tarawera and we would camp with the boys at a little place called Hotwater Beach and uh, we'd put the boat on a hot water stream and we'd sleep in it. In those days, I just had a little boat, a 16 and a half foot. Uh, Haynes Hunter, so we'd, we'd launch the boat over here at the um, Tarawera Landing and we'd go across the lake down the Ariki Arm and down to Hotwater Beach and, and in fact I'd fish in this, this stream down here. Uh, Tarawera is an incredibly beautiful lake but it's also a really dangerous lake because it's very, very deep and the water in the lake is incredibly cold so if you actually ended up in the water you would only last half an hour. And often, uh, each year, there's someone drowned in Tarawera because of that condition. And because it's so deep, when the waves do come, when you do get winds, the, the waves are very, very steep, short and steep. And so it's a real hazard. This particular weekend, I was camping with um, Penny and the boys, and the winds really, really got up. In fact, as we found out later, there were hurricane-force winds blowing in from the Bay of Plenty. And they were blowing uh, straight down the lake. So they're coming down this way, all right? So 
we decided that we would break camp early, we'd forgo the rest of the weekend, and we got in our little boat and we headed back up and out of the Ariki Arm. We were fortunate that we did actually get out when we did because there was a number of boats washed up on the shore the next day and um, some of them were holed, so it was um, pretty hairy conditions. When we headed out into the, into the lake, into the centre, we didn't realise how sheltered we were here and when we hit the spot in here, there was just big, big waves. And my little boat was just going up and down like this. And of course, we had to, tu- we had to turn and go side on to the waves to get back to the uh, landing. As you can see, we made it. But uh, the trip that should have taken 20 minutes normally uh, took us over an hour. And we were just going bit by bit by bit as I was riding each one of the waves. Uh, we had a rope with boys on either end ready and just in case we um, got capsized so that we could stay together and of course all the kids had life jackets on. And Penny and the boys were in the cabin and I remember right at the height of the storm, just when things were at their worst, when the boat wasn't making much progress and we were just surviving each wave as it came I looked in the cabin, and there are my two boys asleep. And I thought out loud, I said, God, how can those boys sleep in the middle of a storm like this? And immediately the Holy Spirit came, and I heard the voice of God. I had an encounter, and the Holy Spirit said to me, Those boys can sleep in the middle of the storm because they trust their father to get them through. In the storms of life, that word, that encounter that I had some 30 years ago or so has kept me strong. And I hear time and time and time again the voice of God in the middle of the storm saying, Don, Trust your Father to get you through. And then the peace of God, which passes all understanding, just would flood over me in those situations and circumstances. You see, encounters in the middle of the storm bring the peace of God in your situation and your circumstances. In Luke 19, we could read about a chap by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a businessman who was known for his shady business practices. He was a tax collector, which was uh, the most despised profession of all the Jews. He'd grown rich by ripping off the system and by ripping off people who couldn't afford to uh, line his pockets. He was despised. He was known as a sinner. And yet the Bible tells us that this guy wanted to see who Jesus was. So because Zacchaeus was a short man, he decides to climb up a tree because there's a whole crowd of people round about Jesus and he couldn't get them. So he climbs up this tree and as the crowd with Jesus in it comes by, Jesus stops and looks up and instead of rejecting this dirty, rotten sinner, Jesus reaches out to him and asks him if he could go and have a meal together. 
And that really just reflects the heart of God, that God is always ready to restore rather than to reject people. And that act of love and acceptance so impacted Zacchaeus that he responded by offering to put things right, to restore four times the amount that he had cheated people of. And commenting on this particular encounter, Jesus said, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. And God hasn't changed. That is still his heart. He is still the God of the second chance and encounters change people's lives for eternity. And if you don't know Jesus Christ this morning, God wants you to have an encounter with him. In Exodus chapter 3, you find a chap called Moses who has an encounter with God. Right from his birth, we see that God had his hand on this young man. In fact, when he was born, his mother saved him from being killed by the Egyptians by putting him in a little basket and floating him down the Nile. He ends up being adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. He was raised in the palace. He was raised as a prince of Egypt. But as a young man, he misguidedly kills an Egyptian who is abusing a Hebrew slave. He runs for his life, ends up spending 40 years living in the wilderness. And one day, when it just seems like his, his life isn't going anywhere, he's out looking after his father-in-law's sheep, and Moses sees a bush that it's on fire, but it isn't being burnt up. Exodus 3 verse 2 says that Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush did not burn up. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called him from within the bush. Moses, Moses. When God saw that he went over to look, then God called him. That encounter with God changed Moses' life. It renewed the call of God on him. It reignited his passion to see his nation set free. And interestingly, how many people here have got a Presbyterian background, by the way? Besides me, come on, own up. Oh, not as many as I thought. Not as many as I thought. But uh, in nearly every Presbyterian church, they have draped over the pulpits a cloth tapestry. And I took this photo at Waipu, uh, at Waipu uh, Presbyterian, when I was there for Kevin Singleton's father's funeral. But I don't know whether you can see that, but um, in the tapestry is a depiction of the burning bush. And it has the Latin nectarman consumabato, which means it was not consumed. Alluding to the fact that the fire of the Holy Spirit didn't consume that bush but that the fire of the Holy Spirit is necessary in each and every one of our lives. And I believe that is one of the reasons why the fire of the Holy Spirit is one of the reasons why the Presbyterian Church to this day is one of the strongest denominations and they've held true to the Word of God. 
Encounters result in renewed vision. And then in Mark chapter 5, we read about a woman who is known not by name, but by her sickness. She's the woman with the issue of blood. It says in verse 25, And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, and she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors, and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, If I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped. And she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. I love this passage because there was a crowd pressing in on Jesus. They were all touching him. But she's the only one who got healed because she thought in faith, if I can just touch him, I'll be healed. This woman had an encounter with Jesus that resulted in healing and wholeness And she was never the same again. And that was my testimony. When I had an encounter with Jesus in 1971 while I was at Massey University, God healed my hand and changed me forever. You see, encounters with Jesus result in healing and wholeness. They result in deliverance and captives being set free. They bring peace and the presence of God into storms of life. They change people's lives for eternity. They result in renewed vision. So the question is this morning, how can we have more encounters with God? Well, sometimes encounters just happen. God's heart is for all of us. And that all of us would have a vital living relationship with him. I don't think the demoniac of Gadarene did anything to initiate his encounter with Jesus. But I suspect, and I know that he was somebody's son. And if my son was in that condition, I'd be praying for him. And God answers prayer. I wonder if his mum was praying for that boy. And God heard his prayer, and Jesus came and set him free. I liked Stephen's message last week. If you didn't um, hear it, if you weren't here, uh, listen to it online. It was the paralyzed man's friends who took him to Jesus. Sometimes God in his mercy just comes. And that is certainly the case in the Muslim world right now, where God is visiting people with dreams and visions. Uh, Muslims who are crying out to Allah, crying out to know God, uh, having encounters with the Holy Spirit, having encounters with Jesus Christ. And it is the power of God, it is the encounters with God that are drawing them by the millions into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Have a look at this video, which um, was posted a couple of years back. In the last five years, Indonesia has been experiencing a surge in Christianity. Churches here say that 30% of this Muslim country is now Christian. 
Much of the growth in Christianity in this country comes from the Pentecostal churches. The pastors testify that more and more people, including Buddhists and Muslims, are attracted to attend the Christian services. Pastor Billy Jotorharjo has seen tremendous growth in his church. The congregation has increased from 400 to more than 6,000 members in just four years. We always pray open heaven. God, we pray open heaven. God touch people, even in outside. They got healed. Outside, they got saved. Eddie De La Rosa is a former Buddhist. His wife, Sophie, is a former Muslim. Both experienced the power of the Holy Spirit at Pastor Billy's church. Eddie had pancreatic cancer that had spread to his liver. He was given only six months to live. Every day, I'm waiting for death. One day, my friend Christian, she told me, try my Jesus. I said to Jesus, give me a chance, I will serve him. Give me one more chance. Today, after six years, Eddie is well and regularly attends this Christian church. I believe I'm healed with my faith. Jesus is my healer. Jesus is my savior. Jesus is my, my Lord, my master, everything. Sophie first came to the church when she brought her parents-in-law to the service. There I felt at peace. When I went home in the evening, I turned on the radio and I heard the Muslim prayer and I prayed, God, please lead me to the right way. I went to the Christian church more regularly until I enjoyed it and I decided to surrender my life to Jesus. More and more people are coming to Christ in the world's biggest Muslim country. Leaders say it is the prayers and the unity of the churches that have opened its doors for salvation. We pray for the revival of Jakarta, we pray for the revival of Indonesia, and we pray for the greater outpouring in Jakarta and Indonesia. So we are thinking not just our local church itself growing, but we are thinking the whole nation get changed and transformed by God. Lucille Talusan, CBN News, Jakarta, Indonesia. How good is that? In fact, since that um, video was posted, Jakarta, which is the largest city in Indonesia, uh, has a Christian mayor. The leader of it is a Christian. And here's all little old New Zealand with less than 10% Christians, and Indonesia with somewhere around about 200 million um, people is 30% Christian. How good is that for them? How bad is that for us? We can change that. Do you know what he did? He pick up what he said there. The two keys: prayer, prayer, and unity amongst the churches. And so we can pray, people. We can pray, and we can change the condition of our nation through having encounters with Jesus Christ. So sometimes encounters just happen, and we can't control those. But normally. James chapter 4, verse 8 is a real key in having an encounter with God. And it says this in James 4, verse 8, Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. In the middle of the storm, God responds to our heart cry. 
uh, when we take Jesus with us into the boat of life. He's there waiting to respond. When we make the effort to draw near to God, like Zacchaeus climbing a tree, or the woman with the issue of blood um, using her faith and pushing through the crowd, or Moses turning aside to see what God is doing, God, when he sees us turn aside, he responds. And that's really important because we need to be able to position ourselves in places where we can have God encounters. Uh, I have had God encounters many, many, many times during our worship service on a Sunday morning. I'll be sitting there praising God and the Holy Spirit will just come and just touch, just speak to me, just give me a thought, give me direction, give me an answer to prayer. But also, I've had encounters alone in my room. Sometimes even in the bath. <laughs> in fact, Penny, Penny would come in and um, she'd say, I can tell uh, when the presence of God is here, because when you get out of a bath, it's not the scum that's left around the top of the water. It's the presence of God. And she's serious, because often I'd be lying there, just plugging into God, and this presence would just come. This presence would just come. But I, I'm here this morning as your pastor because when I needed direction in my life, I determined to fast and pray. And when I did, God turned up, spoke to me in a dream, and here I am. Uh, I pray because I want a relationship with God. I read the Bible not because I have to, but because I want to, and I want to know God more, and I want to hear his voice more clearly. Elijah had an encounter with God in a cave, in the side of a mountain, when God spoke to him. God wasn't in the storm. He wasn't in the fire. He wasn't in the wind. But when everything was still, when everything was quiet, Elijah heard God speaking to him with a still, small voice. Let's have the musicians come. Often, we don't have God encounters because we are just too busy doing stuff to stop and hear that voice. I think an example of that is in Luke 10 where you see Mary and Martha. Mary has an encounter with Jesus, whereas Martha was too busy. Martha was doing stuff that was absolutely necessary. She just got her timing and priorities wrong. The things that Martha was doing needed to be done. But not just straight away. Not when Jesus had just walked into the room. That was the time to put things down and just spend time at his feet. You know, church, we're in a season of visitation. It's a new era. God is doing amazing stuff in us and through us here at Church Unlimited. It reminds me of those verses which say, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him when he's near. And we're at a time of nearness. And that's the time 
where every one of us need to prioritize seeking his face, spending time just quiet with him, letting him come in, touch you, heal you, give you his peace. Don't get sucked into a religious mindset, but set yourself to know Jesus better. And as you take a step towards him, he'll take two steps towards you. Draw near to God. And he'll draw near to you. You know, the whole of the New Testament church was built on encounters with the resurrected Jesus Christ. Started with the disciples locked away in a room, praying, not knowing what to expect, but just seeking God and the Holy Spirit came, filled them, absolutely transformed their lives, changed the church forever. You can experience that. You can have a fresh encounter with God. Today, if you've heard the Holy Spirit speaking to you, then take that time to draw aside and let him touch you. Amen? Why don't you stand with me this morning?